0: you're drowned by my perfect fire my perfect life it is the podcast time it is the podcast time you
1: are listening to your podcast app <laughs> that was like the hard rock version of our <laughs> of our opening with the soft music of dave walton playing of, <laughs> as <laughs> always
0: Hey, this is the word on the hill where the lanky guys. That's Father Scott Powell, and um, my name is Dr. Peter Mousset. No,
1: you're... No, that's not... You're confusing the people. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot! I am a father... But I'm not in the, uh, I mean, I have the common priesthood of the Catholic Church, but yes. I, am, I am just plain old Dr. Scott Powell.
0: And I'm just plain old Father Peter Musset. No, you
1: are Father Peter Musset. Call Father. no man Father, <laughs> except you.
0: Except, except yeah. for every Catholic priest that you know. Yeah, we'll get to do, that. Do. <laughs> we'll get to that little issue soon. Hey, we are really excited to have you here on the podcast so on the excited. 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time.
1: 31st. Are you just jumping in? I mean no, that's great jump in jump up jump up I don't up, know it just felt in. right
0: didn't it I, I guess so dude I tried to play okay so I DJ a lot of things I DJed the Halloween party here mm-hmm. last Saturday DJ Moss and dude um normally dude jump around by House of Pain he is a block rocker
1: that's every high school dance uh in my experience dude and i th- but normally every best. other
0: dance i can throw it down and yeah. people are jumping and they weren't and they were jumping but it was not enthusiastic i no. think i think they were coming towards the end of the reign of the of house of pain it had a really long run though i mean this has been decades i was thinking about that as i was playing the song and i thought you know good run good run buddies <laughs>
1: good run do
0: you have any <laughs> shout outs Um, I'm going to shout out my brother, Neil Mussett, because he loves shout outs. Do you know that he like, every time we shout somebody out, he's like, he's like, dude, we need to shout out more people.
1: Well, I I have a handful. Um, so the couple of handful, the couple of shout outs I want to give, I want to give a shout out to Tom Wall, who, uh, both a shout out for being a great listener. He sends his kids to Camp Boy Tiwa. So Tom, thank you for, uh, for everything. And to Laura Franceschi, who's also a faithful listener, whose um, son actually went to college with good old Nick. I don't know if Nick listens or not, but Nick, if you're listening, I've given a a shout out to you too. What's up, Nick? Um, and one last thing. So I've gotten a number of both emails and messages on Facebook and there's a common question that keeps coming up. People keep saying, Hey, do you have, um, can you recommend any books that are like, kind of what you do or one of your like one-stop go-to resource books. And I was trying to think, I haven't answered any of those, partially because, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different books that I use and kind of go-to and, and resources, but... I use I was, a lot of books too. You do use a lot of books. But I just want to say one of my my go-tos, because th- my great love... I think in studying scripture, and I just finished a class. Uh, we did a series on um, connecting the seven sacraments to the Jewish feasts of the Old Testament. And one of my go-tos, both for this podcast, for that class, and just kind of what I love to go to, it's a book called the the Erdman's Dictionary of Early Judaism. Which is, if there's something I really want to know or don't understand or want some background or context or want to understand the world of Jesus, this is like the. It, it's a huge. It's a. It's like three catechisms. Um, it's really big. It's not super cheap. But the Erdman's Dictionary of Early Judaism. I love Judaism. that you just use catechism as <laughs> just, a measurement. That's your point of reference. <laughs> Um, but again, it's one of those because a number of people have asked me. I mean, if I want to understand something contextually, this is my go-to. Um, so I just want to throw that out. That's not a book for everybody. It's it's not super scholarly, but it's scholarly enough. I love anything by Brant Petrie. I think he's a fantastic scholar that brings uh the Jewish culture and world and, and um faith life, cultural life of Jesus to life. Uh he's fantastic. Um yeah, those are just a couple, but people have been asking me that. And I do. I do have a couple of go-tos. There's also a great book by a guy named Alfred Edersheim, who is. I think he lived back in the 20s or 30s. And it, it, his book went into reproduction. It's called. He has a book called The Temple. Um, which is like anything you've ever wanted to know about temple and the liturgy and how it worked in the time of Jesus and prior to that, this is like your your go-to reference point. So I have a handful of my, you know, if I want to understand something, what is my go-to book? Those are three of them. Um, but just a number of people have asked that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I just throw those out. Um, I uh,
0: I oftentimes go to Jesus and the Victory of God by N.T. Wright. That's a great that, book. That's a, that's a huge go-to. You do it, always
1: break that. I can always tell. If you've broken that out for the podcast, I'm like, Uh, ooh, he's got the anti-right out. Absolutely. And uh, what I find
0: is uh, it's good for references, reading straight through. I mean, he's a great writer. Yeah. um, And he has a lot of really keen insight into the scriptures. Like you. Oh, thanks, buddy. You bet, man. Um, I mean, the uh, Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture is also an
1: excellent resource. It really is. It's a great go-to. It's a a number of individual volumes. Um, I think Mary Healy and... uh, Curtis Martin
0: uh, and Ted Tree.
1: No, well, there's some of the authors, but Mary Healy, who's out at uh, Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, and Peter Williamson. I think they're two of the the editors, that kind of spearhead the project. Spectacular scholars, but it's I I love actually recommending the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture because they're um, they're pretty in depth. They're kind of verse by verse in the New Testament, but they're also um, really really readable. You don't have yeah. to be a scholar to totally enter in. So those are they're just great books. I always love to put good books into people's hands and brains. Amen. And anything by Frank Sheed. Frank Sheed. All right. 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time. Our first reading, Father Peter. Is what coming. is it from, dude? It's from the book of Malachi. Malachi. Who is the last of the Old Testament prophets. The last word that God speaks before there's literally silence until Jesus. Which is pretty intense. You want to listen to what Malachi has to say. Malachi. So we're in Malachi uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Starting in 14b... To chapter two, verse two, b, and then jumping over to verse eight through ten.
0: Malachi. Does that
1: make sense? Yep. I wish I was rapping along with your. Doesn't that fa- sound like a good uh, like insert?
0: Malachi. Boom, bum, 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 Malachi. Okay. What's our so, response? Psalm one thirty one, verses one, the two, and three. Our second reading. Speaking is, of ABC, one
1: two three is from first. You did the psalm, man. It's my turn. I just keep saying from. I just wanted to get you to do that. First Thessalonians chapter two verse seven B through nine and then thirteen. These are pretty uh, piecemeal <laughs> readings this week, aren't they? Dude, these are chef prepared, is, mm. you know. what I mean, they they cut chef out the boy, stems indeed. and seeds. Oh, they did cut out the stems and the seeds. That's a great, <laughs> what a great analogy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was good. And
0: then we get to the gospel. Okay. Did why did that say that? I, it's it's you know and I, I just celebrated a funeral and so there's well, a part of me that like
1: these are also when Jesus gets to the curses and the woes so that's probably a, an appropriate yeah. intro intro to that.
0: The Gospel today is from Matthew chapter twenty
1: three, verses one through twelve. That was a mixture of John D. Liberto and uh, like a, a sci-fi horror movie <laughs> um, trailer <laughs> voice. <laughs> Well done, dude, dude. You guys, I am a little batty
0: today. Little batty, but that's all right. We um uh, at the at the Church de Santo Aquino, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, our church. We um Saint Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, Saint Thomas Aquinas here in Boulder. Okay, we, we uh kind of pulled the trigger together as a community and reoriented the church. Hmm. So it was It was It kind looks of, like a church. It was in the round, and now it is, uh, is oriented towards the east. Mm. Ad orientem. Ad, ad orientem, and it's it's really beautiful. Um, but it was on my day off, and so I'm like literally, it, I've just been exhausted. So you didn't get a day off, and you probably didn't take yesterday off for the
1: Feast of All Saints Day.
0: I mean, I tried to, but I, but we had liturgical action, man. I'm a priest, dude. I know I got you're to, a priest. I
1: got to give right glory to God. You're a priest. Speaking of giving right glory to God- the book of Malachi. Malachi. I gotta give a little bit of context on Malachi. Malachi is a it's kind of a rough book. Most of the prophets are pretty <laughs> yeah. rough. I mean that that's a pretty safe bet. If Did, you're in the prophets, it's gonna be rough.
0: Well but Malachi is
1: particularly there's, rough. There's no prophets that are like, hey, everybody's doing great. Nice job everybody keep up the good work keep up the love good, god we- <laughs> <laughs> no malachi th- what's
0: messed up too is is that it's really it's really tough and it's the last word it's like yeah it's it's like okay guess what we're gonna lay it out and we're gonna gonna talk for a while it's it's like
1: kind of a weird re- it's like that weird conversation you have with the relationship that's mm. gotten strained yeah which which is actually the, the right analogy because the people are really struggling by the time of malachi what Mal- so Malachi, the context it's meant to, it, it, we don't know exactly we don't know much about Malachi except that he's a prophet. We don't know a whole lot about um, yeah the con- we, we know the time frame or we have a pretty good guess on the time frame. so we can we can piece together what's going on from that, but we don't know, really know much about Malachi himself or about uh, we know he's speaking to the Jewish returned exiles who are living in, in Jerusalem. So the context of this is around the time maybe just before the time of Ezra and Nehemiah or around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. So if you imagine, it's right when the people are coming back from their exile in in, in Babylon, right? They were taken, the, the, the kingdom was destroyed. It was obliterated. First the Northern Kingdom, then the Southern Kingdom, the temple was wiped out, Jerusalem was burned. They were taken off into slavery for a long time. And now they've finally been allowed to come back and resettle the land, right? Yeah. And we talked about that last week, right? Cyrus the Persian, or the, the other week about, you know, he gave some money to actually help them get back on their feet and build their temple and, and settle back in the land. But once they're back in the land, they're having a really hard time um, getting back into their faith. I guess for lack of a better way to put it, yeah. uh, they're dragging. And one of the themes that you get of Malachi, it's another theme you see in Ezra and Nehemiah. They don't really want to get back up spiritually because they've been pretty firmly knocked down. They are certainly of the opinion that God has abandoned us. He's let, He let us go into exile. We get it. We get that we've sinned. We get that we fell. But I mean he just totally left us and he he, he just abandoned us and well, now think about this though for a second. <clears throat> I mean like like
0: coming back to the land after you've been away, yeah, all your traditions, your practices you've had to acclimate entirely to a different people who don't believe the same things. Yeah. It would be super confusing and hard, like, okay, let's just Start again,
1: I guess. Like, but you're also just tired, right? We just moved. We got hauled off into slavery. We've been the the brutal war. We've been lost. So many of our families. We've been enslaved. We just moved back. We're building everything again. We're just like, oh, we're tired. And we don't feel like God is really with us. It's not just that we're tired. We're tired and we just, you know, and these prophets keep telling us, hey, rebuild the temple, turn your hearts back to God. Well, we're like, that's the God who abandoned us and let us go into slavery. I don't know if I want to turn my heart back to that God. That, that's sort of the mentality. Right. Do you even love us? Do you Are you even there? Like, we're supposed to build this temple to you? The temple was the reason that we went off to exile in the first place, because of the unfaithfulness and all these sins that came about through it. And they're just, they're dragging. And I'm, I'm spiritually, I'm thinking to my, I don't know if this is the right analogy or not, but as I was reading and kind of praying through this this morning, I kept thinking of sort of the state that we are now. And it, it's different, but here's the the analogy in my head we have been times are hard just i mean if you if you pay attention to the news or the world i mean We've just been hit by this string of like the worst of the worst natural disasters, right? Yeah. These hurricanes, these earthquakes, and Houston and Puerto Rico and 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 Florida and, and Mexico and dogs like, and cats it, living together. Dogs I mean, and cats living together. But I mean, we're just bombarded. there was just a terrorist attack earlier this week in New York. There was a shooting in uh, in a suburb of Denver yesterday, and it's just like you're twenty minutes from here. We can't. I can't. It's almost like the mind begins to shut down. Right. And you're like, I don't have the capacity. For this anymore, and, Las and Vegas. It's all yeah, Las Vegas. But but your mind can't handle the, the the news cycles. So even just watching the news, like even the news cycles don't know what to do with this. And w- there was a terror attack in New York, and I mean I know it's big news, but you can tell even the news people are kind of fatigued by this. Like oh, again another that's sort of the, it's different, but that's sort of what I'm projecting onto the people in Malachi's time. We're like, we're Mm. just beat up. We're fatigued. We've heard these messages before. I know we're supposed to care. I know we're supposed to get back up. I know we're supposed to rebuild the temple, but my gosh, we're just exhausted. And I don't know where God is in all of this. And maybe that's the experience of a lot of people watching the news and seeing all of these horrible things continuously, not even just man-made things, but, you know, natural disasters. Like where is God in all of this? And I know I'm supposed to get off my butt and go to mass and I'm supposed to pray and I'm supposed to turn to him and find joy in my life. But geez, things are hard. You know what I mean? I'm trying to apply this to today. And I think there is kind of a fatigue in our world. And we're also just sick of fighting. We're sick of the politicization, politicization, the politics of things, you know, and just the fighting and the disasters that's what i'm putting on this and what the you lord what? is responsible i, I oh, think it's
0: really funny is that uh the uniforms that soldiers wear they call them fatigues fatigues
1: <laughs> i wonder what the etymology is of that
0: i think that they just work them hard in those
1: yeah
0: <laughs> do you think that's what it is i don't know i'm, I'm sure we're gonna get emails <laughs>
1: hey actually s- father painter
0: some soldier we yeah. need yeah. hey s- that's it let yeah. us know well th- i i mean i look so that's our context. that's our though, context and this so this. like I look and it's like, and as a priest, dude, this is the thing is that your your priests are the ones who, you just gave me the thumbs. Well, I
1: did because I, I, what you're about to say is important and I know where you're headed, but before you say it, can I just, because we're, we're this is how the readings work. And for better or for worse, we're, we're thrown into the middle of a passage and it's even piecemeal. Like we, right. we kind of joked about, we're into part B of this verse. Right. But, but there is a more immediate context. So because of the broader context of cultural fatigue, spiritual fatigue, whatever. Yeah. Um, people are being lax, and especially the priests. And literally, lines before this, it talks about priests offering these sacrifices in the temple, these animals that are blemished and have broken bones and are not right because they're lazy in their spiritual practice. Mm. And the priests are offering impure animals, which you're not allowed to do. And the people are, yeah, they're praying, they're kind of going through the motions, but they're not doing it well. The priests especially... They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're lax. They're lazy. They're cutting corners because they're like, you know what? Does it even matter? That that seems to be the idea. Yeah. And that's why God now in Malachi is going to the priests and he's like, wait a sec, because they're, they're they're questioning to God is like, where are you? Why should we even care? He's like, here's why you should care, because right. look at what you've done. Look at the ways you've been unfaithful. Look at the ways that I've actually protected you and cared for you in all of this. Wow. And that's where he turns with this first line, I am the king. Yeah, you don't have a king right now, actually, in Israel. You have priests, you have a governor. Uh, Nehemiah, I think, is one of the governors of the people. But you have only me. I'm all you got, Israel. And so priests, here's how I need you to clean up your act and be leaders. So Sorry, that was the context in which you were headed into.
0: Well, yeah, and, and how do you be leaders? It says, um, O priest, this commandment is for you, if you do not listen, if you do not lay it to heart, to give glory to my name, says mm-hmm. the Lord of hosts. So, to give glory to my name. So, it's interesting because the, the Greek word is doxa. Doxa. Yeah. So, when we talk about being orthodox. Orthodoxa. Orthodoxa. Ortho is, is right, yeah. or, right. Or same. Or same glory.
1: Yeah. right is better. Yeah, you're right.
0: Right glory. Mm-hmm. So like or, or orthodoxy, it's, so it's right glory.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting cuz when we talk about like <laughs> y- because in the gospel they're going to be giving glory to something else. Oh. It's it's uh it's what's the opposite of ortho? Um Lefto, hetero, lefty? heterodoxy. no, hetero hetero it's right. heterodoxy, basically yeah. right. Yep. okay, sorry continue. but that right, do you see where I'm going there? Uh, I do. They're still doxy, but it's not or though. yeah, d-
0: d- yeah. so I, I just think that it's an interesting thing and and it says, what does it look like if you're not giving right glory? It says, mm. um you've turned aside from the way. you've caused many to falter by your instructions. Yeah. So it's like, okay, walking the way instruction. Uh, You've made void the covenant of Levi, and I've made you contemptible and base before all the people, Mm. since you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your decisions. So it's like, so that's the wild part is that there is a sense of like, priests do have to make
1: a lot of judgments. Yeah, they also have to just show up for the game. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, really, the people are tired. There's a lot of disasters in the world. It's like you just saying, "You know what? This Sunday I'm I'm just tired, you guys. I'm going to sleep and we're not having mass this Sunday." Or if we do, we're just going to have a really short one. You know what I mean? Yep. The priests, if, if the priests aren't believing this stuff and showing up before the people and saying, hey, we need to turn our hearts back, we need to give right glory to God. If you're not giving right glory to God, how is your flock supposed to know what to do? Yeah. Because we look to you.
0: Yeah, I think it was, I, it might have been um, Archbishop. Um, Who's on TV what's his name not- sheen sheen I wanted to say sheed not
1: said- she you brought up sheet earlier yeah sheen, yeah, sheen. Fulton. And,
0: and I think he might have been the one who said if your if your bishops are holy <sighs> um, then your priests are going to be good if your priests uh, if your bishops only good then oh. then your priests are going to be all right and then your oh and then your people will be okay wow and then but then it, as as the bishops go down in quality so do the priests and then so do the people
1: because you were the one, for better or for worse, we look to you guys. I mean, Af- for better in your case. Dude, don't okay. fire me, please. <laughs> 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 and we're blessed. You're we, fired. <laughs> sometimes I forget and we take it for granted how great of a diocese we have and how great of a bishop we have. And so as a result, we have fantastic priests, but not all parts of the country or the world are like that. Right. And people, whenever I travel or give talks in other places, they remind me of that. Like, you guys in Denver, you got it. You got it going on.
0: Well, it's partly because the two, like, massive, like, like Catholic podcasts that exist in the world as number one, the lanky guys, lanky guys are the number one podcast. In the world. I'm just kidding. It's appropriate We're, that that was distorted. Yeah, Cause it's a distortion of what the truth is. <laughs>
1: You're giving heterodoxy. I am it's totally right giving glory. heterodoxy. Oh, darn it. That's no, good. This is going to be a great, <laughs> <for the> <laughs> a great example for the <laughs> gospel. Great example for the gospel. Thank you for that.
0: No, like Catholic stuff. You should know those guys are number one. And so they're yeah, just they're down. A the, great podcast. They're a great podcast just down the street from us, you know, and, and, uh, Unless those, you
1: count the ones in Rome, which are a little bit more than down the street. Th- yeah,
0: they're they're down the ocean.
1: Down the ocean. Down the sea. Yeah, so that that's, uh, so this uh, is the, a message to the priests saying your people are struggling and you need to get up.
0: Yeah, so, okay, so,
1: so that takes th- us to the response. Assault, so
0: Malachi is kind of saying, get
1: up, stand up, stand, stand up, up for, for the, the glory. Ah, for the glory. I should say, just before we move on from Malachi, it does end on a happier note. So there's a, there's a back and forth throughout the whole book. And the people are like, God's like, you guys stink. And they're like, what do you mean we stink? <laughs> it, I was reading in a commentary. It's like it he gave the – spilling. And he's like, here's all the ways that you stink. And then he's like, well, you stink in these ways too. And they're like, what do you mean? And he, he responds. But it ends – the whole book ends The sort, sort of the last word of the last prophetic book of the Old Testament says hey I'm going to step in myself and I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to I'm going to come back and I'm going to set things right because things are messy. And before I come, I'm going to send a messenger and John the Baptist or Elijah is going to come back and he's going to prepare the way for me. And these things are going to happen. So just to it's not all doom and gloom in Malachi. It ends by saying, hey, there's a future here and I'm going to send my messenger to prepare my way and I'm coming back. And if you're looking for a Messiah, I mean, really, one of the things you see as you read through Malachi is that the priests aren't going to save you. They're, they're not going to be able to give the glory that's actually due God. I mean, they can do what they can do, but things are just messy. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. And he ends sort of the book on that note. And then there's silence. And you're like, well, what do you mean? You're going to come and do it yourself. Is that a metaphor for something? And then, of course, in, I mean, how does Matthew, then the first gospel, right? How does it begin? It begins with a genealogy. And then you have the angel appearing to Mary saying what? He says, you're going to give birth to whom? Do you remember what Matthew says? Matthew, he's the only gospel that calls Jesus by this name.
0: Emmanuel. Which means? God is with us.
1: And what do they believe in the time of Malachi? Emmanuel. What do they believe in the time of Malachi about God, though? He is with us. He's abandoned us. (laughs) Remember, that's the idea. Like, you've abandoned us. You left us. You left us off in exile. We, We don't even know what to do. How can we get up? How can we worship you? You're not with us. And what's the first word after the silence? Uh, God is with with, uh, us. It's not God will be or God uh, is now. God is present tense. Dude, that's awesome. You had it wrong. So Matthew is the answer to the question of the Old Testament in a certain sense.
0: Matthew is kind of the like, you know, the different strokes to the like facts of life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was going to say the. uh...
0: I said different strokes because of Emmanuel Lewis.
1: Oh, Emmanuel Lewis. Well done. Has anybody noticed there's a big scandal going on in or something with the politicians and somebody on Trump's campaign? His name is Papadopoulos. Have you heard about this (laughs) on the news? Papadopoulos. And all I can think of was that was the name of the dad in Webster. (laughs) And I feel like I'm the only person that's remembering that. Anyway, let's move on. Psalm 131. Psalm 131 is sort of showing where the whole book of Malachi is going and where the Gospels are going to take it back up. In you, O Lord, I found my peace. Because what's the problem in the time of Malachi? We can't find peace. We're we're still ill at ease. Like, I get we're back in our home. We're trying to build our lives back up, but there's still no peace. We still feel abandoned. We feel beat up. Where do we find it? The priests don't seem to be doing their job. We're looking to these guys. They're not saving us. And God is saying, it's only in me that you're actually going to find it.
0: This is a very sweet and condensed um, psalm. I mean, it's only three lines. (laughs) One, two, three. One, two, three. It's really interesting. It's just saying, like, I am really trying to pay attention to mm. what is most needful right in front of me, which is kind of a Nehemiah, kind of build the a, a wall in front of you kind of idea, yeah. which, is, which is important. It's like saying like, I'm not, I'm not trying to do these lofty things, Lord, I'm just trying to fulfill my obligations of the things that are right in front of me. Yeah. And like, which, which is like, okay, in Lord, oh Lord, in you I have found my peace. But the Psalm is a little bit contrasting to the Psalm response. Cause it's saying like like, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I'm busy. i busy not myself with great things, nor with two things too sublime. I've quieted my soul, and then and then hope in the Lord both now and forever. Well, I guess it does. It's not too contrasty. Well, it's but, the, but it's with, the- with last reading, it feels like oh my goodness. There's there. It's like how do you find peace in the midst of like saying like God. I don't know where you are. I, are you with me? Are you not with me? Am I making right glory? So I'm just going to do what I what what I know is right.
1: But I think that you answered your own question. I mean, right. That, it's, that, how do you find God well, by doing those things? It's
0: faithful. That's actually what I think yeah. faithfulness is. Humility. It, it, well, no, it's just doing what you have been trained and mm. you know is right when it's a little bit confusing and hard.
1: Yeah. I, that's a great definition of faithfulness,
0: yeah, it's just like, okay, no. you're like you're like, okay, I, I'm gonna lean upon my training now and in in leaning upon that, I'm gonna say, yes. okay, this is I, I know in my mind I can present to my will what is proper and right and just and good. and that's I'm gonna do what's right in front of me, and that's
1: that's right. Do you know that famous line from Saint. Joan of Arc? It's one of my favorite quotes from any saint. She says, uh, it's uh, she was gonna be. Stacking burnt, it up. If I forget it now,
0: I'm gonna because feel like, like a jerk. <laughs> no, no, it's just
1: me, because we use it at Tea well a lot. Um, but she's headed to be burned at the stake, right? For for living I mean, yeah. fighting and leading an army and saving France, you know. I mean, which is a pretty big lofty thing, but what she says, she has this great line, she says, I'm not afraid, I was born to do this. Which reminds me of what you're saying. Wow. I'm not afraid. I'm just doing what I was always trained to do. Right. And in this case, it happens to be leaving the army and saving the right. world. <laughs> right. But I'm not afraid because I was born to do this. Can we Can we skip the second reading and no. come back? Can we come back to it? Yeah. No, we don't have to. If you got stuff to say. No, I don't got anything stay... to say. Because <laughs> I have stuff to say, but I think it's best said in light of the gospel. Which is, in honesty, how the... How the what the letters are. This is what the epistles are. They're commentary on the gospels. And yep. we read them in mass liturgically this way in preparation. We're taking the steps to, toward Jesus. So if we
0: do this, this, then sense, what 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 will happen is we'll read the gospel. And then when we hear it on Sunday, we'll be, it'll be a, like a framing so that we can then rehear the gospel.
1: I, I hope so. That's, I think the idea. Okay. All right. So we'll, we're going to hold off on this first Thessalonians and go to
0: Matthew. Dude, you know it's really I was reading Matthew and I was just like really excited to go buy vestments and lots of re- religious goods and stuff. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> like okay. ending their tassels and phylacteries.
1: Flassel, tassels and phylacteries. Phylals. <laughs> and phylacteries. Which it has to be said there's nothing wrong with those things. Nope. Okay, first first let me let me set us up here. We are this is the logical as you've noted on the podcast before. So it's November now, right? We are we are fast approaching the end of the liturgical year. And as you approach the end of the liturgical year, the readings um begin begin to get more and more intense. They right? heat up, They're baby. They heat up, baby. So we've been for the last few weeks, we've been um looking at Jesus's exchanges and challenges and uh and um um, him being called out by the Pharisees and the scribes and the and the Herodians right the re- religious leaders of the day and they've been going back and forth and remember every week for the last like month they've been like trying to trip him up and trying to call him out and he's been you know fooling them and pulling coins out of their ears and, you know doing all the <laughs> doing all these tricks not tricks but you know like showing their hypocrisy <laughs> <But> <laughs> Dude, that's messed up bro <laughs> well the coin I know <laughs> what if what if that's how the scene actually worked <laughs> he was like show me one of your coins oh here's one but <laughs> (laughs) Yeah. So they've been going back and forth. This is the climax of all of those conflicts. All of those conflicts climax in chapter 23. And this is where Jesus says, okay, we've been going back and forth. You've been demonstrating this. I've been demonstrating. People have obviously been watching and listening to these conversations. And now Jesus says, this is what I have to say in conclusion. This is setting us up right after uh, Jesus' last word in our gospel for today. He enters into a series of woes where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for doing this. Woe to you, hypocrites, for this. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the entirety of the gospel of Matthew... The Gospel of Matthew is a literary masterpiece. It's a spiritual masterpiece, but the way it's arranged literarily is is absolutely brilliant because Matthew is methodical. Matthew's a tax collector, which means he's very ordered and very methodical in the way he does things. but the entirety of the gospel is one giant chiasm. You remember what a chiasm is? The beginning
0: it relates to the end and then and then the middle part relates to the letter, later middle part and then
1: there's a central point. Yeah, it's like a big sandwich, right? Parallel ideas that sandwich each other, like you said. Dude, that's that's a yeah. So it's like a really good hamburger. It's like a really good hamburger with lots of layers to it. So the the woe. So that being said, so if all the, the beginning of it parallels the end of it and then the in between as well. Um, the woes that we get in chapter twenty-three are actually the inverse of the Beatitudes from chapter 5, where Jesus says, blessed are these people. Blessed are you when you do these things. Now at the end, he says, woe to these people. Woe are you. Woe to you when you do these things. It's the opposite of those things. And I think you can actually read it carefully and be able to pick out the same themes from the Beatitudes in the woes. Blessed are you when you do this. Woe to you when you don't do those things. And to you specifically, scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders for keeping people out of the kingdom. So it's uh, it's the opposite of those, which to me, that throws a different light on these woes. Like, that's a big deal. You're giving the anti-beatitudes now at the end of the book. But the context is that this has been heating up for a while, and now it's like Jesus is it's the last straw. I've been challenging you. I've been answering your questions. You have not heard me. You've not listened to me. You have rejected the voice of the Son of God. So woe to you. This is your last chance, essentially, which yeah. is intense, right? So what he says right before that, so Jesus spoke to the crowds and the disciples who've been listening to these going back and forth, right? saying the scribes and the Pharisees, they have all taken their seat in the chair of Moses, which um, presumably you actually have some evidence in some of the Gospels and in, in Acts. There probably was an actual chair in the synagogues that represented symbolically the, the teaching authority of Moses. It's sort of like the chair that you have in the church, like the presider's chair, right? Or the the seat of the bishop maybe is another kind of equivalent that we have in the cathedral, right? There actually was a chair that they sat in. Here's the thing. The first reading are basically warnings to the priests of um, consequences if they don't actually do what they're supposed to do. The Pharisees, and this is very important, the scribes and the Pharisees are not priests. There were Levitical priests still around at this point. But you get the sense, and maybe I'm wrong on this, so take this with a grain of salt. I get the impression that in Jesus' time, the priests had almost diminished a little bit in their role of authority. And the Pharisees have sort of taken it up. They're louder than the priests. There are priests who are offering sacrifice and doing these things. But the Pharisees have sort of taken up the mantle of the leaders. We are the ones who have the authority, right? Which is funny because they really don't have any authority. They're not priests. They're not of the Levitical descent. You know, they're not. But they're charismatic and powerful. And loud. And so, they've, so so I get the impression, although the Pharisees aren't priests, the warnings that are given to the priests in Malachi are properly applied mm. to the Pharisees. And right. I think that's why the church in her wisdom gives us those two readings together. Oh. Because that's what they've sort of taken on themselves. The importance that the priests had, that's what you've taken. Even though you're really not, you don't have any right to any of that, <laughs> you, right. except what you've given to yourself. Right, right. So you guys, you've taken your seat on the chair of Moses, this teaching authority. We have the seats of, of, of authority. Therefore, he tells the people, do and observe all that they tell you. So they're, they're teaching from the seat of Moses. That's what, Moses wasn't a priest either. Right. He was a person that God raised up who was aware of his own weaknesses and flaws, but God used him to teach and gave him the law. So to the degree that they're sitting on the seat of Moses, teaching Moses's law or the law that God gave through Moses, yeah, that's worthy of being listened to, but don't do what they do. Right. He says don't follow their example, for they preach but they don't practice. They say nice things but they don't do what they say. They tie heavy burdens hard to carry. Literally says they tie yokes. Was it last week that we talked about yeah, Jesus' yoke? Yep. The 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 one line summary the, of the what the, what the, defines soft sensor. The, the soft yellow center center. Yellow center. Their yokes are way too heavy and they don't, they don't, they put yokes on other people's shoulders, but they don't lift a finger to move them. They're not going to do anything. They're going to tell you what to do, but they're not going to actually help you do it. And they're not going to be able to do it themselves. I mean, Jesus is really calling them out on this. Um, all their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries. Phylacteries, we made reference to it earlier. Little the ph-
0: boxes that contain scripture that they put on forearms and heads and Yeah, stuff. exactly.
1: So so some of you have seen this. There's there's literally, and, and maybe you've, you've seen it in modern day, there are modern Jews who wear these little boxes on their head and on their wrists. And the idea is uh, the word of God is supposed to be close to your mind. It should be on your mind. So they tie it to their head. And it should be what you do in your life. So they tie it to your wrist, which implies action and doing things, yeah. but they make theirs real big. Look at how big my phylactery is, right? Look at how big, you know, it's giant, so I, you see how holy I am. Uh, their, where are we? Their tassels, where, I lost my place. Yeah, oh, they lengthen their tassels. There's nothing wrong with phylacteries and tassels. Jesus has tassels, right? Yeah, On yeah. On the clothing he wears, because that woman reaches out to touch the tassels of his garment. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with those things. No, not at all. Yeah, so... But it's the fact that they're they're trying to draw attention to themselves. So, that um that much is is obvious. Just they like, place their just oh, like me, just like you. No, come on, man. They love places of honor, banquets, seats of honor, in synagogues. Do you know, it's really fun to do. Cut me off. <laughs> yeah, Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's really fun if uh, it just as an experiment. Next time you're at a wedding reception and you're there before the bride and groom, just go sit. <laughs> just go sit in the in the bride or groom's seat. Oh. Just when they're going to go over there, just because, like, there's a look. And, dude, people will get indignant with you, dude.
1: People get up in your grill. And
0: well, as a priest, they're a little bit wary about being indignant with you. But like it's still really fun. I just do, love you do that it. sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to just to demonstrate the principle. Do not sit at
1: seats of honor, otherwise you're gonna get booted. We should we should plan to be at a wedding together sometime, and you go sit there, and I yell out from the back. You love to take seats of honor in synagogues and banquet halls, <laughs> and I'll be like, check out my phylactery. <laughs> anyway, okay. Here's the thing. And they love they love place of honor. They love the greetings and the salutation, Rabbi. Rabbi. Um, here, he says, as for you, don't be called Rabbi which just means teacher. It's a benign word. Um, actually, let's, let's finish this really quick. As for you, don't be called rabbi. You have but one teacher and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have one father in heaven. Well, wait a second. I call you father. Okay, come back to that. Do not be called master. You have one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is not saying don't call priests father. He's not saying don't call people teachers. I, I am a teacher. That's what I do for a living. Otherwise, teacher, I don't know what I do. I need to go to the bathroom. And that's okay. Those things are fine. But, I mean, for your part, you're not the father. No, there's you, no claim. Or th- there's no, I mean, you're, I, there's nobody who's claiming to be father. Here's the difference between the new priesthood of Jesus and the old priesthood of the Old Testament. They were priests by virtue of themselves in the Old Testament. And that's okay. That's what God allowed. It was his idea. He said, you're priests because you're Levites. You're priests because of you. You are not a priest because of you. You're not a priest because of your parents. You're a priest because you're united to Jesus Christ. And the only reason I can call you father is because you are spiritually united in your holy orders to God the father and Jesus Christ. That's it. So to the degree that you see your priesthood as being about you— yeah, you're going down the wrong road. To the degree I see my teaching is about being how great I am, right. that's really bad. If my job is to teach about Jesus and how great—that's why I tell my kids. Who are, they're little kids, and they're trying to understand what I do for a living. Right. And I'm like, I go and I tell people about Jesus, and they get that. Right. But, but here's the thing. I was actually pretty convicted on this earlier, reading this this morning, because, oh, this is hard, especially in ministry. Here's the thing. Not only in ministry and in kind of what we do. And I engage right. in academia and we know bishops, but I also run a nonprofit. And you do a lot of development for this place. Development's a weird thing. And doing nonprofit work is a strange thing. I have a, a, a good friend um, out in D.C. He's um, he's the head of a, a very big, a very uh, influential nonprofit that exists in D.C. It's a think tank. Um, and he told me once we were having drinks together and we were talking about raising money for nonprofits, which is what he does for a living. And he's like, the problem with raising money for nonprofits is that you spend a lot of time with a lot of powerful people who do a lot of good and help, you know, toward the mission of what we do. And the more time you spend with powerful people, the easier it is to think that you're pretty powerful. Right. Because of the associations. And we hang out, you know, because of our work here. And we need to, we need people to pray for us and who are influential and who can help us financially and, and otherwise. And it's really easy to start to think, yeah, I'm pretty important too. I'm a big deal. Right. Rather than to see, like you said before, no, no, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. I'm and just those people are doing what on they're supposed to do.
0: At hand. I, I am a, I am a soldier of Christ. And but so it's easy a, to
1: think of myself as more. As the general. Yeah. Because I hang out with generals sometimes. Right. But hanging out with generals does not make me a general. Right. It means I need to be, but, but it's a dangerous thing. It isn't it? Because it's, it's a seductive thing. It's a seductive I think, Ooh, thing. This is nice. Well, anytime it's a nice lifestyle.
0: Christians get into the power game, we get really, really tweaked. We do.
1: And like, and so and, I can see where the Pharisees are coming from. I'm, I'm a bit sympathetic to this.
0: Absolutely. Because the, they see that the power that they are able to wield is meant to draw people into the messianic reality yeah. and to draw the Messiah down to earth. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like it, there's nothing less than the entirety of salvation that hinges on what they're trying to do. Oh boy, <laughs> and 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 so so. But that's that's the thing that's so per- powerful and persuasive. And you say, "Oh wow, okay. So if I do this, then I like." Whereas Therese's little way, yeah, do little things with great love, not great things with little love.
1: And if you're called to do big things, do then them do with- them in a little way. Yes. Big love. Right. I don't know know what I'm trying to say there, but I mean, it's it's the paradox of the faith, right? You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's why she's a doctor. It's like, yeah, that's that's absolutely right.
0: That's right. Because we don't, we can't play the power game. And once we think that we're like, that we're not meant to just deal with what's directly in front of us and give God glory. Give God the glory, glory, give God the glory, glory. What, what you, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's it. You know, like, yes, like th- th- that. that's actually the only right way. That's why when we talk about orthodox faith, it's not about, like, it's just as long as it's not about us. Right.
1: It's it's it, about rightly ordered things. Rightly ordered right glory. Is rightly ordered is not
0: ordered toward me. Right. It's towards God. And if anything overflows into my life or from my life or to my life, then it's just because we're oriented correctly towards giving glory to God alone. That's exactly it. it, It's like a married couple. You can grow in love so much for each other, but there's a certain point in which the natural love of man and woman diminishes and you cannot add any more. Whereas if you're trying to grow towards God, there's no end to the intimacy and the depth which two, a married couple can grow towards each other.
1: Which we always, you know, Annie and I sometimes when we give marriage talks and, and relationship talks, and we stole this from some, I think we stole it from Curtis and Michael and Martin, so I'll give them credit. But it's this this image, you know, you think of relationships and married life or dating or whatever as two people focused on one another. Right. Which that that's going to burn out and you're eventually right, just going to look right, too closely right, and right. it's just not going to work. But two people standing side by side together looking toward Jesus, oh no, that's that's a relationship that's gonna work. That's the goods. That's the goods. So all that is to be all that being said, um, the reason I wanted to save the second reading till last is that here's where you get the impression that the disciples listening to Jesus' words on the gospel, they got it. And they said, Yeah, we can't be like that because they're going to receive, the apostles at least, are going to receive a priesthood that goes so far beyond what the Pharisees ever dreamed of, that goes far beyond what the Levites ever dreamed of. They're going to be given the divine authority of the Son of God to act in his person, which is, a, if there's anything to give you a big head, it's that. But yet, look at what St. Paul says to the Thessalonian church. He says, Brothers and sisters, We were, he doesn't say this, but what he's implying is we're not like the Pharisees. We're not like the scribes and the tax collectors or the scribes and the Herodians. We were gentle among you. We were like a nursing mother who cared for her children. Not a strict dictator who sat on his big seat and throne before you. We were with such affection for you. We were determined to share with you, not just the gospel, but our very lives, which remember that is the antithesis of what Jesus says about the Pharisees. They want to tell you stuff. But they can't share their lives with you because their lives are wrongly ordered. Right. We didn't want to just tell you stuff. We wanted to share our lives with you because our lives are rightly ordered. Right. So dearly beloved, you had become to us, so dearly you'd become to us. You recall uh, our toil and our drudgery, not our glory toward ourselves. We work day and night in order not to burden any of you, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus says about the Pharisees. You sit up there burdening everyone. No, we wanted to carry those burdens and we proclaim to you the gospel. So for this reason, we give thanks to God, not to ourselves. We give thanks to God unceasingly that in receiving the word of God from hearing us, you receive not a human word, but as it truly is the word of God, because it's not about us. It's about God. Mm. And I wanted to save this for last because it is the answer to all of these questions. They finally got it they got what jesus was telling what god was telling the priests in malachi he got what they were telling what he was telling the scribes and the pharisees in the gospel and they said okay this is how our priesthood is going to look. And again, we're human beings. Priests are human beings. Bishops, popes are human beings. We're always going to fall into that love of glory of ourselves. Right. But second, 1 Thessalonians, the second reading gives us the model. Right. This is how we're supposed to be. Whether you're a priest or just a lay person like me, this is how you're supposed to look. This is what ministry, this is what orthodoxy is supposed to look like. Less of me, more of you, God. And if there is me, it is disposed towards you, God. Exactly right. Dude, well,
0: may this podcast always be disposed towards the Lord. Yeah, seriously. Hey, and you guys too. We love you. Don't fake the funk. Keep it real. Um, shout it out. and
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.